Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the Witch's Wheel of the Year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight Sabbaths. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. And welcome back! Hey everybody, we made it through the long night. We are, for those of us here in the Northern Hemisphere, officially in spring. Well done, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to Spinning the Wheel Podcast, or welcome to Spinning the Wheel Podcast. This is your first time. I am your blooming onion of a host, Megan Angus, um, and we are going to discuss all things witchery (laughs) Uh, this week. Um, Yeah, a brief announcement. You know, there's always stuff before we do the thing. Um, What am I trying to say? Uh, I'm thinking about doing another six-week introduction to tarot workshop. Uh, Anybody out there interested in taking that? (laughs) Maybe I'll just do a little one. I don't know. Um, Send me a note if if you're interested in doing that. I'm thinking about throwing that before summer hits in the last few weeks of spring. The last few weeks of spring, we just started spring, and I'm already like, two seasons ahead. Uh, welcome to having Aries rising. Um, <laughs> with Mars in the first house, I cannot be stopped, uh, even when I should be. Okay. Uh, so there's that thinking about throwing some tarot workshops. If you're interested, please give me a holla, holla, holla. Um, what else is going on? Um, I don't know stuff. I guess let's just get right into it. I feel like there was something else I was supposed to be saying in this portion of the podcast. Um, and, uh, later I may remember that and edit that in because I'm a professional. So (laughs) let's just get directly into the podcast. Oh, one thing I do want to say is this, um, I have started to write out the notes for this podcast. I don't put every single thing that I'm saying into the notes, but I put most of it in there, uh, including links to websites that I am using as reference material. It's not all my links. It's just one. Um, And this is exclusively something that is for my patrons. Uh, There's images. I'm putting up charts for the moons um, and other images as I see fit. Um, So if you are wanting, yet again, even more information, join my Patreon. Uh, The notes are there uh, with pertinent links to websites where you can learn even more about the stuff that we talk about here on the web, on the podcast. Where am I? Website? Podcast? I am in the digital algorithm. Lost. Um, Oh, on that note, as I'm sure you are aware, uh, social media platforms are doing that shimmy shimmy out there. uh, And, you know, 
We've all been suckered into relying on them. <laughs> and now they're doing the old bait and switch and everything is going to cost a million dollars if you would like to continue to participate in social media. So join my mailing list, <laughs> please. And thank you. Um, uh, you can head to my website and join my irregular newsletter. It is absolutely free. You will get a discount code that is good for readings and workshops and classes. Um, or join my Patreon. Uh, patrons are who are responsible for these shenanigans uh, occurring every week. <laughs> it's your fault. Um, thanks to the incredible illustrious support of my patrons, uh, I am able to do this work every week. So if uh, you are delighted by these uh, podcasts, consider joining my Patreon to support the work. Um, plus, at higher levels, you get fancy shit. Um, yeah, okay. But anyways, social media crashing and burning in, in real time. So <laughs> join my newsletter to make sure that you don't miss out on the stuff. Um, make sure that you like, follow, subscribe, thumbs up, give a rating, you know, all of the things, the clicks. The clicks are some of the best payment that you can give me. A review on the platform that you listen to this podcast on, or a review under one of my videos on YouTube, or like a little comment. The algorithms are just like, nom, 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 nom. they love that stuff so much. Oh, the robots are so happy. And we must appease our robot overlords on, on the regular. So, okay. Uh, I believe that's probably enough ass kissing. Shall we just get directly into the podcast? Again, I still feel like there was some other thing I was going to say. Could have put that in my notes, but no. Why, why would we do that? All right, let's move on to... Um, what are we starting with? Tuesday, March 28th, 2023, in the year of our goddess. Mm. Having a little caffeinated beverage here at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. It's probably good for me. Um, we are starting this lunar week. Oh, yeah, let's get us oriented. That's what I was supposed to say. We are in uh, Ostara season waxing half moon in cancer lunar week two uh lunar week one was the same as uh spring equinox this year so all the stuff that i would have talked about in that episode i talked about in the ostara class so if you haven't watched that or listened to it go check it out uh, but we are officially in lunar week two our Solar lunar year has restarted in alignment with some civilizations around the planet, past and present. Okay, so what are we doing with our half moon in Cancer? This is exactly at 8 degrees, 7.32 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, this is a fairly emo moon. Um, now, the moon in Cancer is already like a pretty emotional moon. That's kind of what the moon in Cancer wants to focus on and is all about. Okay. Um, so then let's add the waxing half element to it. Uh, we have our four pieces of the moon, or technically eight, that we like to work with. We have our new moon, the waxing half, the full, the waning half, and then back to new. And at the waxing half... 
we are reaching a a little bit of a point of friction in our process. There's a little difficulty, there's problems maybe arising, or just, you know, the general moment of adjustment. It doesn't have to be a bad or difficult thing. It's just a moment of adjustment in the process. We've left the new moon vibes, right? We've made some progress, we've done things, and now this is a moment where we kind of adjust, like, oh, that's how that's working out, here's what I need to do. Um, but with this moon, and because it's emotion work that we're doing, that kind of adjustment can feel more painful or just more tender, right? You can just be a little more like, ugh, about it, uh, rather than like, something that we might be dealing with on the intellectual level. So the waxing half is going to point out pain or friction or places where we need to address difficulties. Now, added to all of this is a quote-unquote grand water trine between the moon, which is at 8 degrees of Cancer, Mars at 1 degree of Cancer, the south node, which is at 5 degrees of Scorpio, and Saturn, which is at two degrees of Pisces. Now, generally, a water trine like this can be a really wonderful place for us to swim in our feelings and really like dive down into our intuitive work and, you know, really just sort of take, take a big swim in Lake U, you know, that thing, right? But this combo platter is a bunch of fussy celestial entities that are not exactly stoked to feel anything, let alone hang out together. Um, Mars and the moon, fussy. Not exactly super best friends. Mars and Saturn, not exactly best friends. The moon and Saturn, not exactly best friends. Um, and then the south node, right? <laughs> the south node is like, hmm, what passive aggressive tendencies could I bring to this? And passive aggressive is something that that's a phrase that we kind of want to keep on standby while uh, Mars is traveling through cancer. And as I said, Mars is at one degree of cancer. So it has just arrived. It's going to be here for almost two months. Um, and uh, Mars moving through cancer can be very fussy. It can be it can represent, I should say it that way, it can represent passive aggressive tendencies in us, in our process, in our community, that thing. So from a very mm, negative standpoint, let me just get it out of the way. Like the funkiest interpretation of this is um not super great communication, passive aggressive communication, moodiness, bummer vibes, feeling kind of low, feeling like I'm small and the problems are big, a lot of that stuff. When Saturn gets involved, you know, Saturn is really excited to like show us where we don't have control and where the bureaucracy is, you know, so much bigger than we are and blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's the funkiest way of interpreting this. A very neutral way of interpreting this is um, that the, this combination of planets, because they are in trine, can, if we are willing to work with them, represent the type of healing work that might hurt or be messy, something akin to sucking the poison out type of vibes. 
So if that kind of healing work is appropriate for you to do right now, this astrology might be really helpful for you. If you can keep your feet on the ground, if you can keep um, a hold of yourself, really, and remembering this might make me defensive, this might, or not make me, but this might be bringing up or describing defensive processes in me. Um, this might be, um, you know, poking at parts of me that are very tender, but actually, you know, kind of a lancing the boil sort of a moment, right? Like, ouch, this hurts. And yet, I know that if I get this out in a healthy way, the entire system will be improved. Is it going to be really messy and gross in the moment? Yeah, it might be. Um, and so I think that this astrology represents that kind of process for us. Engage in that if that's right for you. Don't if it's not. And I want to say something else. Um, a couple different folks have brought up lately the subject of what do I do when it feels like it's too much? What do I do when it feels like the astrology is too much. I'm feeling overwhelmed by the astrology or, um, or I'm feeling oppressed or I'm feeling scared by the astrology. And my piece of advice has been this number one, remember that the, in my opinion, the astrology is not making things happen. The metaphor that I often use to describe this phenomenon of how I believe astrology works. Not all astrologers agree with this. Uh, is we are on the freeway and there is a sign on the side of the road that says LA is in a hundred miles. The sign is not making LA exist. The sign is letting me know that LA exists in a hundred miles. If I stay on this road and I continue to drive in this direction, I am going to encounter LA in a hundred miles. I have free will. I can change my direction. I can turn around and go back. I can pull the car over. Um, and so for me, astrology is uh, a roadmap of what is happening around me. It's a means of, of reading what's happening around me or interpreting what's happening around me. That said, it can still be like, oh my God, LA, no, right? <laughs> Shout out to my people in LA, but you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, even you guys are not always excited to live there. <laughs> um, but, but what I mean by all of this is, what I mean to be saying by all of this is, one, don't, don't feel trapped by the astrology. The astrology is just another vocabulary for us to describe what's happening in our world and in our personal lives. One, two, turn off the motherfucking podcast. If, if you are feeling overwhelmed by my information or information from any metaphysical podcast, turn it off. Um, if you are feeling overwhelmed by the news, turn it off. Have respect for your levels of capacity for information. We are living in wild times right now on earth and we are pummeled with bad news and horror show, you know, five minute blips from literally all directions at all times, 24 hours a day. Like there's, it's very difficult to find good news consistently in the world right now. It's really easy to find bad news in the world consistently everywhere all the time right now. So ha be respectful of your own limits. 
And if you are full up, then you're full up. And that is totally okay. You're going to, you're going to be okay without a week of my podcast. Um, or anybody else's for that matter. Um, so, so listen to yourself. And if you are like, I've had enough, it's enough and respect that limit in yourself. And that too might be stuff that comes up for you with the astrology of this week. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I've hit my emotional limit. I'm full up. This is as much as I can do and still like maintain civility. I'm going to take myself out of the equation um, and go get some tacos and take my pants off and go home. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> in that order, right? <laughs> okay. So that said, what are we doing with a waxing half moon in Cancer? Well, first off, when our moon is in Cancer, all magic is uh, emphasized and supported, especially expansion magic, especially, especially anything abundance oriented. So any kind of magic that is about drawing things into our life, increasing things in our life, making more of, having more of, getting more of, all of that. Um, improving the odds, all of those types of things, very appropriate here. Um, for our lunar body work, we are awakening, activating, adorning, stimulating, and preparing for action, the breast, the chest, the belly, and the lungs. Um, as I say every single week, I am a doctor of the cosmos, not a doctor of the human corpus. Please check in with your trusted health advisor before uh, incorporating any of the information from this podcast into your health routines. Um, and of course, as I say every week, you can always work with the metaphor. So is there something you need to get off your chest right now? That thing. Is there someone suckling at the teat that perhaps needs to be removed? <laughs> that stuff, right? <laughs> and for our lunar plant friend work, uh, we are changing the information up just a little bit here. So you're going to find a little bit more variety in this than what we've been saying in the past. Uh, so for our waxing half moon in Cancer, for our lunar plant friend work, we are planting anything and especially planting for abundance. So plants that you want a lot of or, and plants that you are intending to use in abundance magic, etc., etc. Especially annual crops that bear their fruits, leaves, or what have you above ground, especially viney crops, corn, peas, beans, tomatoes, watermelon, cucumbers, zucchini, um, also a good time for planting cereals, grains, melons, celery, cabbage, spinach, etc., and also, this is a great time for grafting, layering, taking cuttings, and watering your plants or irrigating your outdoor plants. Uh, okay. And um, as I said before, we have a chart uh, of this in the Patreon posting. Um, so go check that out. If you want to gaze at uh, not only what the moon is doing, but what all the other planets are doing. We have a big pile up right now in Aries with the moon, Chiron, Jupiter, and Mercury. And we have a little pile up in Taurus with the north node, Venus, and Uranus, etc., etc. All right, we have no astrology otherwise for this day. So moving on to our holy days from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the festival of... Elaphabolia, 
this is an ancient Greek festival held in Athens during the month of Elaphabolion, dedicated to Artemis, uh, the deer slayer slash goddess of the moon, um, cakes made from flour, honey, and sesame in the shape of stags or deer were offered to the goddess during this festival. Um, and this is a big deal for, um, folks who practice the modern version of, uh, Hellenism basically is what it's called, uh, which is the modern version of the ancient Greek religion. Um, so big deal. Also on this day, uh, for our Norse and Asatru friends and ancestors, we have a day dedicated to the, um, legendary Viking hero and Swedish and Danish king Ragnar Lodbrok. Um, he's known from old Norse poetry uh, as, you know, a fighter and a great dude, a father and a legendary king. And, he, you know, he went on a wide variety of adventures and did a bunch of cool shit. Okay. Um, so what next is on the boards? We move on to Wednesday, March 29th. We have no astrology of note for this day. So moving directly on to our holy days, um, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Al-Ganib. And Al-Ganib is found in the constellation of Pegasus. Um, the name Al-Ganib means the side. Uh, so it literally is like the side of the horse, the side of the, of the uh, Pegasus. Um, and looking through uh, the astrologyking.com website where they have a ton of really great information on fixed stars, there was a piece in here specifically that I thought was kind of interesting. And it's this. Um, similar to Sheet and Markab, some other fixed stars, is Alganib. Um, its name pronounced Al-Zainib, meaning the side of the horse. It's placing in Aries since 750, 754 years ago uh, now gives it extra impetus for better or worse. Um, side note, right? Queen of the tangents. You're like, wait a minute, you just said it was in Pegasus and now you're saying it's in, in Aries. Yeah, because... Uh, Everything in the sky moves. <laughs> the fixed stars are stars that are so far away from our planet that their movement is almost nil. And that star is going to rise in the same place in the sky at the same point in our orbit around the sun millennia after millennia after millennia. That's why they are referred to as fixed stars, because they literally don't move. Now, hold on to your hats, kids. The collections of stars that make up the constellations move. And we want to be thinking of the sky as layers of stars, some of which are much closer some of which are further away and some of which are extremely far away. And those stars that are extremely far away, quote unquote, never move or 
you know, they move at a scale of literally hundreds of millions, even billions of years. Uh, the stars that are closer to us do move. And so, yes, the stars that we think of as making up the constellations actually move in front of the fixed stars. And so there are fixed stars that are classically or traditionally associated with constellations that are not actually in those constellations currently. I know it gets, it gets confusing. Um, but that's what's up. And so this is a fixed star that is traditionally connected to the constellation of Pegasus. It is currently found in Aries. And so because it is currently in Aries, it is thought to have some of the essence of Aries about it. So that's what uh, the author here is talking about on this website. So coming back to this. It's placing in Aries 754 years ago now gives it extra impetus for better or worse and shows something of that kind of master who feels perhaps that the old style secrecy in which his fellows used to surround themselves should now give place to a more open attitude, at least to such as the laity as show a willingness to learn and listen. Okay. All of that is to say um, that Remember, remember all of that stuff that we were talking about through Aquarius and Pisces with our constellations and our fixed stars about these blessings pouring out. And um, some of the time we're talking about the blessings that are pouring out. And some of the time we're talking about receiving them, like being open to receive the blessings. And some of the time we're talking about being the arbiters of those blessings and taking on the responsibility of sharing them or uh, the responsibility of not sharing them and then the consequences potentially of not sharing them. This is kind of in that same vibe as, as, as that stuff. So this is a star that's talking about, um, maybe, you know, something and in other days you might not have shared that piece of information, but now it might be beneficial to share that piece of information with community in a way that's hard to calculate in a way that's, it's difficult to understand as long as as long as people are receptive to that juicy piece of information. And think about that within the scope of all of our emotional stuff that we've going on with the moon this week that we've talked about so far. Okay. That is basically what I have to say about that fixed star. Uh, <laughs> just that, right? Just that. No big deal. Okay. Um, moving on, another holy day that we have on this day, running from March 29th to April 3rd, approximately, is Old Cow Days from Irish. Look, don't start with me, okay? <laughs> uh, this is also called Days of the Brindle Cow. Um, and what this is or what these are, these are the final days in the month of March and the first three days of April. This expression comes from an old folk tale demonstrating the unpredictability of the weather at this time of year as the folk tale goes in the month of March. Uh, as it drew to its end, an old brindled cow boasted to the rest of the herd that even in this harshest of months, uh, the weather could not kill her. The month of March, overhearing the boastful heifer, took umbrage with her and so decided to teach her a lesson. So March borrowed three days from the month of April and made them bitterly cold 
sending howling westerly winds and heavy rains. The result was the death of this poor gal. <laughs> Oh, you got to love the Irish. They're like, did you say anything? Death. <laughs> Direct to jail. <laughs> Directly to jail. So here in these last days of March, keep your damn mouth shut is really the lesson to be learned. I think at this point, don't say a damn thing. Put your coat on and keep it cute or you're going to ruin it for everybody. <laughs> okay. Also on this day, we have from our Roman friends and ancestors, the Dies Natalis for the Temple of Castor and Pollux. You have probably heard of these two freaks, aka the twin uh, siblings that are Gemini. Um, they together are known as the Dioscuri. We are going to talk about them a heck of a lot more during Beltane season as we approach Litha and, you know, moving through Gemini season, we will talk more about Castor and Pollux. But today is the birthday of the temple dedicated to those two characters. Um, so, and I think that that's interesting, right? Like, uh, why now? Um, why now? There's a, we, we, I'm not going to get into it. I'm just going to leave you that question. Like, why now? Why would we be initiating their, their temple now? Okay. Also on this day, we have from our Babylonian friends and ancestors, the feast of Ishtar Inanna. Uh, I refer to her as both names because she is both of those goddesses, more or less. Um, Inanna is the ancient Mesopotamian goddess of love, beauty, war, fertility. She's also associated with sex, divine law, political power. She was worshipped in Sumer under the name Inanna and later by the Akkadians, Babylonians, and Assyrians under the name Ishtar. Um, she is known as the Queen of Heaven, no big deal, patron goddess of the Ina Temple in the city of Uruk. Um, she was represented by the lion and the eight-pointed star, her husband was the god Dumuzid, also known as Tammuz or Tammuzi, and she is arriving back on Earth after her underworld journey, which we talk about uh, during Samhain season quite a bit, actually. Uh, but that's what that's what this great feast is on this day dedicated to hers, that she is arriving back on Earth. Uh, coming back up to the physical plane to reestablish her reign here. All right, moving on to Thursday, March 30th. Uh, starting off with our astrology for this day, we have Mars in Cancer, trine Saturn in Pisces at two degrees. So now these two planets are coming together in exact uh, degree. Also on this day, we have Venus conjunct Uranus in Taurus at 16 degrees. Okay. And then later in the day, the moon enters Leo. So what do we get with all of this stuff? Well, again, we already know that Mars is not always super comfortable in Cancer. Can be, but naturally isn't. We kind of have to put a little effort into Mars being comfortable in Cancer. Um, and Mars and Saturn, not always excited to hang out with each other, but they are in a trine. So for me, collectively, this is, again, supporting that, like, messy but healing 
work that we could be doing. Like it might be a little messy. It might be a little painful, but we're getting down to sort of the, the root of the rot <laughs> kind of a moment. And when Mars and Saturn are on the same page, which can happen, the word determination um, almost immediately comes forward. There can be a lot of stamina about this combination. We can find a lot of like um, traction, you know, like we've got the the power in Mars to get her done. And then we've also got the stamina in Saturn to like sit there and get it done. So again, um, the combination here can be really cool, but also we want to remember that this is Cancer and Pisces, two areas where, you know, just like slamming it pedal to the metal and just like jamming it out is not exactly the vibe <laughs> for Cancer Pisces, but we could be doing some really intense spiritual work on this day. We could be doing some really intense intuitive work on this day. So just be patient with yourself. Um... Mars, you know, anytime we've got Mars in the mix, impatience can, can be up in the mix. And so, um, just take a moment to breathe, take a moment to like stretch out in the morning, make sure you've got all your ducks in a row, keep it cute, all of that stuff. Right. And then go for it because generally speaking, this is a very successful transit. Um, it's a really great time for, uh, for getting it done. And again, having that determination and the stamina to like lay, like lay into it and get it done. Um, okay. And then we've also got Venus conjunct Uranus. This is super duper trickster energy, which is important because we have April 1st, just a couple days later. <laughs> uh, timing, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure it's just a coincidence as we like to say here on the podcast. <laughs> um, but this energy can be trickster and tricky. Um and so we want to be respectful of the energy that Uranus, excuse me, Uranus conjunct Venus is bringing into the, into the mix. Um, so where can this be funky? It can feel weird. It can feel awkward. It can feel um, out of left field in a way that's destabilizing. Okay, that's what can be funky about it. Now let's talk about what can be really cool about Venus conjunct Uranus. Uh, this is an opportunity for bringing new, innovative, artistic expression into our lives. Listening to new music, looking at new art. This is a fantastic day for going and checking out art that is on the cutting edge or making art that's on the cutting edge or talking to artists that are on the vanguard. And of course we're in the season of Aries. And so that newness and that unexplored territory element is already supported here. So very, very cool in that regard. Ultimately there might be some unexpected uh, emotional stuff that comes up on this day. Things you might meet somebody that's very unique, very unlike who you would normally be flirting with. Um, but allowing sort of like innovation and novelty and weird uniqueness to come into your aesthetic, um, or you know, who you want to be hanging out with, the kooky vibes. Shout out to Kook Teflon. <laughs> um, not a super great day for plans. Not a super great day for processing some of the stuff that may have come up earlier in the week. Um, we will have better days for that. Uh, but if you've already got something in progress, 
that Mars Saturn thing is going to assist that. This isn't necessarily a great day to get stuff started though. Okay. Um, that's all we have to say about that. Then the moon enters Leo. We will talk about that, uh, in a couple of days, quote unquote. All right. So our holy days for Thursday, March 30th from our Hindu friends and ancestors, we have Rama Navami. Uh, this is a Hindu festival that celebrates the birthday of Rama, the seventh avatar of the deity Vishnu. Um, and Rama is a pretty cool dude. Um, he is considered the supreme being, um, fancy, very fancy. And, um, uh, yeah, kind of like, oh, like oversees everything, <laughs> like sort of is in charge of all of the stuff. Um, blue body, just like Vishnu. Um, and like, is there anything else I want to say about this character? They're pretty great. Uh, pleasing, delightful, charming, beautiful, lovely. Um, and pleasing to the mind, you know, very, very Venusian as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so that character is coming through and their, their, um, relationship with their consort, their wife, Sita is very important. Um, and I talked about this a little bit in the, uh, Ostara class, but one of the things that we will start to see at this time of year are more and more coupling festivals, festivals where two gods or goddesses or a god and a goddess or whomstever, right? Whatever gender they are, where we start to see pairs of deities show up, right? We just had Castor and Pollux. Um, so we start to see pairs of deities show up and this is, uh, an echoing of the fertility virility energy that is beginning to stir here in the Northern hemisphere as we move into the light half of the year. Now that fertility virility energy is definitely more focused on the fertility virility of the plant world and the animal world less so on the human world, but that will become, that will slowly switch the closer we get to Beltane and our Ostara season really is only more or less the season of Aries. So it's kind of like a four ish week jaunt through Ostara season. And then the, the moment that the sun hits Taurus, it's like, boom, we're into, we're in the pre-funk of Beltane season. And that vibe really starts to switch over to having a human emphasis. Um, but yeah, Ramanavami, this, um, this heralding of this, um, deity Rama. Okay. Also on this day from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the festival of Asclepia. Um, the cult of Asclepios, the healer and the son of Apollo was introduced into Athens from Epidaria. Um, and so this is a festival dedicated to, um, Asclepios, the healer. Here we go. Um, with that healing energy that I was talking about earlier in the week here, we are having, um, festivals that actually are supporting the idea of doing healing work. Um, Michael Lahanas notes that in honor of Asclepius, snakes were often used in healing rituals. Non-poisonous snakes were left to crawl on the floor in dormitories where the sick and injured slept. 
Uh, and I love that. I love that vibe. I love that, that vision in my mind is so potent. Um, and what I loved was, uh, that these folks would come to this dormitory, um, people would come and stay there. His healing temples were called Asclepion. Pilgrims flocked to them to be healed. They slept overnight and reported their dreams to a priest the following day. Is that not also in league with this cancer moon? Hello? Um, and then the priest would describe a cure, often a visit to the baths or the gymnasium. So bathing, sacred act this week, medicinal baths, a uh, sacred act this week, and then also moving the body in whatever ways are safe and healthy and right for you. Very healing and holy this week. Love, love it, love it. Oh, oh, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Also on this day, Thursday, March 30th, from our Babylonian friends and ancestors, we have the birth of the goddess Bao, B-A-U. Bao, also known as Baba. And yes, all of our Baba Martas and Baba O'Reilly and Baba Yaga and all of them relate back to this Baba. Um, she is a Mesopotamian goddess. The reading of her name is subject to debate, of course, as all great goddesses do. Uh, she confuses the masses. <laughs> um, but she is considered a life-giving deity, uh, often associated with the creation of mankind. Um, she also acquired the role of a healing goddess and, uh, often was described as a divine midwife. Um, she's often seen in the company of waterfowl or scorpions, etc., etc. Um, so we love this right here again, more emphasis on this idea of washing and healing, moving through healing waters, um, being born into the new year, all of that good stuff. Oh, I love it. Okay. And then last but not least, um, Thursday, March 30th, the Dies Natalis of the Temple of the Moon from our Roman friends and ancestors. The Temple of Luna or the Temple of the Moon was a temple on the Aventine Hill in Rome dedicated to Luna, the moon goddess. This is, of course, a a variation on a theme with um, Artemis and Diana, etc., etc. Um, she's often presented as a fe the female complement of the sun, uh, also represented as an aspect of the Roman triple goddess, along with uh, Proserpina and Hecate. Um, she's not always her own distinct goddess, but sometimes this is an epithet that specializes a goddess since both Diana and Juno are also identified as moon goddesses. And this is something that the Romans would do. They were really into um, identifying gods and goddesses by a bajillion different names to emphasize all the tiny little facets. Um, and they also would use these epithets as a way of connecting various gods and goddesses to sort of show how this goddess has a facet that that goddess also has, that they sort of share this feature or this piece of work or this um, particular job or, or talent or whatever. So cool stuff. Um, so lots of lunar energy. Hello, Cancer Moon for this week. And then we have all of these again. I can't help but say it millions of times, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hello, it's, you know, quite the coinkadink, isn't it? Okay, moving on. 
this is what it is. This is what it is to do magic and witchcraft. You, uh, one, lose your mind. And then two, you start to make these wacky connections that people are like, sure, hun. And then you're like, look at this Wikipedia page. And they're like, oh, wow, that does kind of make a thing. And then... <laughs> And then here you are yelling alone in your apartment. Okay, moving on <laughs> to <laughs> Friday, March 31st. We have no astrology of note on this day. So moving directly to our holy days, we have from our global family and friends and ancestors, the International Transgender Visibility Day. Each year on March 31st, we honor, we honor International Transgender Day of Visibility. We celebrate the joy and resilience of trans and non-binary people everywhere by elevating their voices and experiences from these communities. Now, what I think is very interesting, and I have no idea if this is purely a coincidence, really, or if this was done on purpose, but... Something that I want you to keep in mind is that in the background right now, we are, from our Roman friends and ancestors, in the midst of the multi-week Kybel or Sibyl, Kybel and Attis uh, festival process. Um, and Kybel and Attis have a lot to do with transgender folks. Uh, the Gali priests were all transgender people. Um, and in my mind, because of the heteronormative uh, paradigm that I was raised in, um, initially, when I began to read about this, I thought of this as like, here's the temple and here's the priestess and here's her, you know, uh, or here's the goddess and here's her priesthood and priestesshood that serve her. And also, isn't it cute? They've got some trans folks on the side. The more that I have educated myself and liberated my mind from the chains of the heteronormative paradigm, um, the more I am coming to understand that I believe the Kybel um, goddess cult, I think that her church was built within transgenderism and then also it applied to other people um, because some of the festivals are so so deeply centered in this idea of changing shape and shedding skins and shifting forms. Um, and these incredible powers were given to these priests and priestesses, et cetera, et cetera. <coughs> Do I know that for sure? No. Uh, but the more I study it, the more I think it might be true. And now a brief word from our sponsor. That's me. Uh, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you to all my patrons who help me pay rent every month. <laughs> you can leave a review on your podcast service, uh, wherever it is that you listen to this. And if you are feeling especially hedonistic, you can give it a rating, uh, you know, Five stars is actually the, the most occult rating that you could possibly give. Um, also, I have mentioned this for the last several weeks, but I swear to God, this is really happening. Um, I will be announcing some workshops and some standalone classes in the new year, uh, both on tarot as well as paganism and witchcraft. These classes will be limited entry. Uh, my patrons will have first access to sign up and then folks following the newsletter. And then I will announce them publicly on social media and my website. Um, 
I will be rerunning the six-week Welcome to Tarot workshop. It was super fun. I'm very excited to teach it again. It is um, a dope workshop, if I do say so myself. Uh, and then I will be following up that workshop with four standalone single day workshops. I'm expecting them to be two hours a piece, probably maybe closer to three hours a piece. Um, and we will be talking about material that certainly is going to build off of what is in the workshop, but you won't have to take the workshop to be able to understand what's going on in the four standalone classes. And then I will also be offering some more in-depth stuff than what I already have offered in terms of witchcraft and paganism, but I don't want to say any more now. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the ad. Leave a rating, goddammit. Thanks. If you haven't been living under a rock, uh, you probably know that here in North America, excuse me, just in the, in the United States, over 400 anti-LGBTQ bills have been proposed in just this year because, you know, we don't have anything else going on in this country that needs any level of concern. So let's go persecute a whole collection of marginalized people, right? Uh, don't, don't get me started. Um, you know that we are queer family here on this podcast. Uh, if that doesn't work for you, fuck off. Um, respectfully. And um, uh, if you are part of the queer family, uh, keep your head up, keep your chin up. We got this. Fuck these assholes. Um, and if you are an ally or an accomplice to the queer family, um, please, please, please stand up and speak upon uh, the behalf of your queer family members, your queer friends, your queer partners, your queer coworkers, your queer neighbors. We are everywhere. Um, and in particular, uh, our trans friends and family are uh, really being persecuted right now. There's truly no other way to say it. There's no reason for me to dress up my language on this. Um, uh, this is everyone's fight. Um, out of just a pure sense of fucking decency. Um, this is everyone's fight because this is what witches do. We fight oppression. Um, this is everyone's fight because do you think they're going to stop with queer family? No. They will find a reason to persecute everyone for anything because that's what fascism does. Uh, fascism does not stop until everyone is in jail, <laughs> until everyone is dead or imprisoned or enslaved. That's what's up. Um, but, but first and foremost, do it just from a sense of decency because it's the right fucking thing to do. Okay. There's my serious moment <laughs> coming back to, <laughs> coming back to the rest of the vibes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> As I was saying, there is a deep connection between Kaibal and Attis uh, and our trans folk, um, in my opinion. Um, they are clearly important members of her church and her cult. Um, and I, as the years have gone by, have pivoted my opinion around that into thinking they were central and then other folks were allowed to come in and hang out. 
Um, so also on this day from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis of the Temple of the Great Idean Mother. And the Great Idean Mother is Kybel. This is Magna Mater, Sybil, series, same, 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 same. Um, her temple was on the Palatine Hill. No big deal. Just, we talk about this in the Ostara class, uh, where the temple to Kybel stood is where the Vatican stands now. Ahem. Ahem. I'll just leave that there. Okay, moving on to <laughs> Saturday, April 1st. We have our gibbous moon at 27 degrees of Leo. And uh, on this day, um, the one big, excuse me, the one strong aspect that I think the moon is making at 27 degrees is a trine to Mercury, who is also at 27 degrees. Sorry, my... <laughs> <laughs> my vocal everything is like having a little fit right now I'm having some sinus drainage which is making me cough and now i have the hiccups so <laughs> like, which is you know why i'm talking about mercury and communication uh okay so uh with our gibbous moon what are we doing um well moon and leo little performative cute time to show out um the gibbous moon is the last phase before the full moon. And we really are starting to produce something in, in the gibbous moon. We're starting to see some results from our lunar process. Um, we're really going to start to see results at the full moon, but this is kind of like the pre-funk to that. So um, with the moon in this lovely trine, exact trine to Mercury, um, comms may flow a little easier on this day communication might be a little bit easier on this day and that can work out in a couple different ways right so moon trine mercury allows communication to open up and become more obvious so if you've been holding something back you might find that today is the day that that information comes out and you know that can play out in lots of different ways it's a trine so in my opinion, generally speaking, everybody's going to be on the same page, even if it's difficult information. It's like, we're all kind of here for this. We're ready to have this conversation. Um, and there's like a balance between logic and emotion when we have the moon trining Mercury. Uh, even if the conversation is a difficult topic, you might find that everybody is more open to listening and processing that information. It might also be easier to read people and be read by other people. And so body language might be more obvious to us, or if somebody else is holding something back, it might be really clear to us that there's more to be said. Also, socializing can feel a lot more natural because communication is flowing a lot easier. Ideas are exchanged, again, with a balance of logic and emotion. Um, and dreams might be easier to remember, access, or understand. Very cool, given our, our holiday for Asclepius earlier in the week, right? So this could be a really fantastic week for literally asking for healing information to come to you through dreams or other intuitive practices. Uh, okay, so for our lunar body work, we are awakening, adorning, activating, stimulating, and preparing for action. The back, the heart, circulation, and blood, all parts of the body ruled by Leo. 
and for our plant friend work, this is a great day or great days while the moon is in Leo uh, for cultivating, harvesting stuff for drying and storage, pest control, disease control, plowing and weeding. And when I say plowing, Obviously, not a lot of us have like 50 acres of farmland. That was some of us do. Cool. Enjoy. Um, but plowing can also be aerating the soil in your house plants. Um, weeding, pruning to encourage above ground growth, grafting, layering, taking cuttings, also good on this day, uh, planting. And then if we are planting stuff, planting annual crops that bear their fruit and leaves and whatnot above ground, especially leafy crops, and then also cereals, grains, melons, cucumbers, celery, cabbage, spinach, etc. Okay. Looking at our chart for this day, as I said, um, we have that exact trine between the moon and Mercury. Um, what else is going on? Uh, Venus is kind of in a square, but it's a very wide square. Um, Saturn is in opposition to the moon, but it's a pretty wide opposition. So I'm kind of not so concerned with that. Jupiter is also trining the moon on this day. Again, a fairly wide trine. So I'm not really thinking about those guys too much. We still have a big old pile up in Aries. We still have three planets in Taurus, but everything else is basically the same. Um, okay. So what else do I want to say about that? Nothing. Okay. So we have no astrology of note aside from the moon for this day. We are again talking about April 1st. Do we have holy days? Yes, we certainly do. <laughs> like a freaking pile of holy days. <clears throat> and this is um, coming out of the practice in the ancient world of spring equinox and this time of year being the beginning of the solar year. And we want to remember as we look back through time, all of these calendars would have been lining up to a slightly different day as the millennia uh, pass, as the centuries and the millennia pass. So, you know, April 1st becomes a, a convenient catch-all when we look back in time. So from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the Dionysia to Astica. This is a week-long festival that takes place um, in Athens or would have taken place in Athens. This was a very important festival um, honoring Dionysus. And Dionysus, of course, being one of the great uh, ancient deities dedicated to or thoroughly involved in the development, growth, and ripening of the crops, right? All the crops, especially the grapes. Um, and so here we have, um, you know, this big festival sort of dedicated to this, this vegetation deity here at the beginning of all of that stuff. Um, a myth was created for the occasion at some point claiming that a certain man from Eleuthera had attempted to bring a cult image to Athens, but the God and his worship were rebuffed. In punishment, the god visited a disease upon the genitals of the men of Athens. <laughs> the Delphic Oracle pronounced that the Athenians must offer due honors to the god and to hold a procession carrying a phallus in recognition of their failing. When this stopped the plague, the procession and festival were instituted as a regular observance. So you gotta love this. Uh, folks are literally carrying an image of the god's junk about... Uh, <laughs> um, there were sacrifices. 
Um, there were various images of phalli carried through the streets. Um, people carried bottles of wine and long stick, quote unquote, stick shaped loaves of bread. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, singing, dancing, feasting, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, all sorts of good, fun stuff taking place at the Dionysia Taastica. <laughs> Do we have another procession this week? focused on penises you, you goddamn right we do yes we do because that's the old time religion that we've all come here for right <laughs> am i wrong no i don't think that i am so <laughs> that's what's up with that okay also on this day from our modern pagan wheel of the year calendars we have dark mother day um and this is a modern adaptation but I think it's perfectly reasonable and, and very appropriate. This is basically a day honoring uh, mother goddesses that are uh, in their dark aspect or have a dark aspect to them. Dark meaning the part of mother that takes, the part of mother that um, shuts down or um, decomposes or or removes. Um, and... Uh, when we are talking about this, we're talking about deities like um, Lilith. Um, we're talking about Mahakali. We're talking about the Moragon, Angarbodia, um, et cetera, et cetera. Frost giantesses, uh, et cetera. And really this, in my opinion, is sort of an extension of... Um, like our Sheila a gig day that we had a few days ago um and other crone goddesses death goddesses transition goddesses goddesses of liminal spaces that we are saying thank you and goodbye to at the end of winter and into the beginning of spring we're sort of saying like thank you this is your last hurrah and then we're out that's what's up so also on this day from our modern pagan friends and ancestors, we have the day of Venus. And this is actually um, a, an interesting placement here because we have Veneralia and uh, another festival very similar to it as the quote unquote first day of the moon, um, which would be April 1st. But this year, that's actually uh, March 22nd. <laughs> so we had it, you know, 10 days ago or whatever. Um, but Venus, uh, you know, ever heard of her? <laughs> Our Roman goddess who encompasses love, beauty, desire, sex, fertility, prosperity, and victory. A lot of words very dis uh, similar to Ishtar and Inanna. Um, very similar. Uh, but she was or is the embodiment of love and sexuality, usually depicted nude, um, and again, Venus as an extension of Aphrodite, as an extension of um, Persephone and all of those, she's coming back up from her underworld journey um, and uh, is here back in the physical plane to wreak havoc. No, to spread love and joy and flowers uh, <laughs> and maybe a little havoc. Uh, okay. Also on this day, we have um, from our American friends and ancestors, and actually global as well, uh, Fool's Day, April Fool's Day. Um, April Fool's Day, uh, 
if you haven't heard of it, I don't know how, but <laughs> um, this is a day dedicated to playing practical jokes on friends. Um, the day has been observed for centuries around the planet. Um, it is similar to Hilaria in ancient Rome, which is one of the festival uh, points in the festival complex of Kybel and Attis, um, similar to Holi, uh, which is also just was celebrated, still kind of being celebrated. It really is um, <clears throat> a celebration of the light and the joy and the life that is coming back. But also, some folks have suggested that the timing of this festival is about um, the sudden changes in weather. And so that would kind of tip back to our um, old cow days that we were talking about from Ireland uh, a couple days ago. So that thing. Um, trickery, foolishness, um, sudden changes, pranks, all of that good stuff. Okay. Also on this day, told you there's a lot. We have Loki's day from our Norse and Asatru friends and ancestors. Loki, of course, is a god in Norse, in Norse mythology. Um, and he is a shapeshifter and a trickster deity. He is also, as a lot of trickster deities are, uh, a psychopomp who has the capacity to move between the realms um, and, uh, go to heaven and hell and earth and all places in between, uh, Loki gets up to a wide variety of events and <laughs> adventures and, you know, causes all sorts of problems. And those problems have to be solved by various deities, uh, making possible, um, some of the great events in, uh, Norse myth. So thanks. Thanks, Loki. And sit down. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to piss that guy off. Also on this day, uh, from our Catholic friends and ancestors, we have the Last Supper from the Easter Festival Complex. Um, this is the Last Supper that Jesus has with his homeboys uh, before he takes the wild ride um, and such. All right, from our Assyrian friends and ancestors, we have the festival or the feast of Ka Binisan. This is the Assyrian New Year. Uh, the 1st of April marks Akitu, the Assyrian New Year, commonly referred to as Ka Binisan. Uh, this is the most important Assyrian national holiday, and its celebration is one of the many links between ancient and modern Assyrians. Uh, Ka Binisan was not only the first day of the new year, but it also marked the start of spring. During this time, trees and flowers would begin to bloom. As such, the holiday is a symbol of revival a major theme in ancient Assyrian mythologies. Many Assyrians view this day as the start of a new life. And I think that that kind of uh, imagery is extremely important. I talk about this a lot in the Ostara class, and I talk about it a lot throughout Ostara season. It is really our job uh, as witches, pagans, and heathens to wipe the slate for ourselves and our, our community. Um, and to come back to not knowing any better, to come back to, I've never done this before, I've never had this before, I've never tried this before, as if this is the start of a new life for myself. So uh, this is one of many, many festivals that is focused on that kind of a vibe. 
All right. From our ancient Egyptian friends and ancestors, we have Hathor's day. Um, Hathor was or is an ancient Egyptian deity of many realms. Uh, she was mother to Horus, uh, mother to who is the god of the sky, mother to Ra, the sun god, goddess of beauty, sensuality, music, dancing, maternity. Um, she's often depicted wearing a headdress of cow's horns, just holding the entire sun. No big deal. Um, she is often depicted as a cow or a lioness. Um, she can be depicted as a warrior, um, uh, always victorious in battle. Basically Hathor literally did everything. And I think it's also kind of important that we've already had, uh, goddesses connected to lions and God and cow stuff pop up in just this week with, uh, Hathor here in the mix as well. Coincidence? Surely not people stay tight. Okay. And then from our Iroquois friends and ancestors, we have the corn planting festival. Now I have put this on this date. It is not locked to this date. This is a festival that can actually happen anytime between the end of February into the beginning of April. It is much more about the weather and the lunar cycle. Um, and in uh, Iroquois legend, Corn, beans, and squash are referred to as the three sisters, and they grow and thrive together. Is this just folklore? Absolutely not. Corn and beans and squash actually assist each other when they are grown together. Uh, the corn grows up and it becomes the stalk that the beans uh, can wind themselves around and grow up. You don't have to put stalks anywhere. Um, and beans fix nitrogen into the soil, which supports the corn and the squash. Uh, the shallow rooted squash vines become living mulch shading, uh, the ground and so, uh, and preventing soil moisture from evaporating, keeping the crops, uh, watered longer, etc., etc. So there is a lot of very beautiful myth um, from our Iroquois friends and ancestors around the three sisters, um, and this is the beginning of sort of a, a, also a festival complex that happens over the course of many weeks, where these three plants are planted um, more or less together. Okay. Uh, is that everything for this day? Yes, we've made it to the end of the holy days for April 1st. That was a slog, but we got through it. Um, okay, <clears throat> so moving on to April 2nd, Sunday, April 2nd, for astrology on this day. We have Mars and Cancer sextile the North Node in Taurus at four degrees. So this may really lend a feeling of, I know what my destiny is this year and it's time to dial in and get it done. Um, or this could be a really good day for asking for that information through meditation, journaling, uh, doing div divinatory practices, anything along those lines. The North Node really wants to point to us um, where we could be headed, what we could be doing with our energy, what 
further karmic adventures we might be getting ourselves tangled in. And Mars is like, sure, great, sign me up, let's go. <laughs> Done. Um, and because of the Cancer vibes and the Taurus vibes, there's a real emotional connection to that work. There's an intuitive connection to that work and an urge to manifest it in the physical world and not just think about it, not just talk about it. Um, so a really good day for doing that kind of work. And then also our moon enters Virgo and, uh, moon in Virgo, generally speaking, uh, I'm not going to go too far into it, but we have been talking about, um, not doing anything when the moon is in Virgo. And I've changed my mind on that just a little bit, but uh, never mind. I'm not going to get into that this week. Whoa! Sorry. <laughs> not getting into it. Um, you'll hear about it. You'll hear about it next time. Okay. Moving on to Monday, April 3rd. Uh, Mercury enters Taurus. Is Mercury happy in Taurus? Yeah, yeah, it's fine there. Um, it's having a good time in Taurus. It's, it's okay. Um, like, let me check my notes. Am I lying? No, I think that's true. <laughs> it's definitely not in the fall that it is in, uh, in, in Pisces. Oh, well, it was in Aries. Never mind. I know what I'm talking about. Everybody just be quiet. Um, <laughs> Mercury in Taurus, Mercury, what's Mercury doing? It is gathering information and exchanging information with people. It wants to talk about it, wants to think about it, wants to write about it, wants to read about it. Uh, and what's Taurus? The physical world, the physical plane, the body, the home, the ways that we uh, create and sustain security in the physical world. So that might be our job, our money, our finances, literally, or that might be a little bit more heady of the, the philosophical conversation around manifesting things. But at the end of the day, Taurus wants to produce stuff in the physical world, wants a physical result from the efforts. And so Mercury for all of us is going to be more geared towards, but how can I make that real? But how can I make that physical? This is great to talk about it. It's great to think about it. I'm glad we've had this exchange of ideas. Now let's build something. So you might really, as of April 3rd, start to feel the push to begin to <clears throat> manifest stuff out here in the physical world. But, and also on that same day, <clears throat> just a few hours later, Mercury in Taurus at zero degrees squares Pluto in Aquarius. And here's where we might start to get a little obsessive with stuff. When we're talking about Pluto, our key words that we kind of want to keep in our back pocket at all times are obsessive and compulsive um, and investigative when it's a square, when it's an opposition, when it's, you know, one of those rougher aspects, obsessive and compulsive are the words that we're probably going to reach for first. Investigative, maybe, but, you know, maybe that starts with good intentions, but it spirals out of control. So this might be a day where, like, you can't get song lyrics out of your head or, you know, you, you can't stop remembering like when the, when the person, the, the barista handed you your coffee and like, have a good day, enjoy your coffee. And you're like, you too. And you're like, oh my God, why did I say that? <laughs> and then you think about it for the next 16 hours. It could literally manifest as something as simple as that. Um, but it might be a day where you're just like, I cannot get this thought 
out of my head. I can't get these words out of my head. And it might just be from a totally neutral place. That's That can be how it is when Pluto and Mercury get together. It's like, there's, there's not even really a point to this. I just can't stop thinking about it. Um, but consider all of the other stuff that we have going on in this week. Um, and consider that maybe like some of the spice, if we had spicy conversations at the beginning of the week, maybe those things are coming back to us. Or I wish I had said this, or I wish they had said that or made that more obvious to me, or I wish they hadn't said that to me. It might be a day of that kind of stuff too. And we love Jessica Lognato. Um, Jessica Lognato, of course, gives the advice of if you find yourself in that place where your brain is just spiraling around something over and over and over again, uh, especially if it's negative, try switching to something neutral, right? So like, instead of, oh my God, why did I say that? I can't stop thinking about that. Just like the carpet, the carpet is gray. The carpet is brown. Not, I love the carpet. I hate the carpet. Just the carpet is brown. I have two arms or I have one arm, however many arms you have. Um, the window is made of glass, you know, <laughs> right? Just very neutral things. And that sometimes can be enough to jog our brain out of that weird little rut that we might get started or get stuck in. All right. That brings us to our holy days for April 2nd, running from approximately April 2nd to April 9th. From our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Ludi Sereri. The ludi in ancient Roman times were games. So anytime you hear that word, L-U-D-I, ludi, we're talking about games. And games meant all kinds of stuff. Gambling, performances, plays, music, uh, chariot races, markets, like all kinds of stuff. It basically was like a street fair. Um, and so this is a week-long street fair dedicated to the goddess Sereri or Ceres or Cereal literally is where we get that word from. It's from her. Um, and these were connected to the Kybel Atis of complex festival complex that was happening at the same time. Um, series is connected to Telus as well as Liber and Libera and Liber and Libera. I'm pretty sure I put in this week. Maybe I didn't, maybe it's next week. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it's it's literally the next day. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Anyways, Libra and Libera were um, two other versions of Jupiter that literally meant semen. Uh, and so this is um, games dedicated to this goddess, as well as this iteration of Jupiter that was about virility and fertility and the pushing out of the energies that would be necessary to make things happen here on the physical plane. All of that super good stuff. Uh, farmers um, would offer spelt and salt, uh, perhaps made into sacrificial cakes like a mola salsa, um, incense um, on their hearths, etc., etc. But there is also like a spring cleaning element about all of this, as well as offerings of milk and honey and wine. Um, and all of these sacrifices would have been carried three times around the young crops that might already be popping up at this point if the growth cycle actually started back in February, which is something that we talk about in in bulk season. Um, but if not, you know, 
walking three times around the land that is about to be planted in or has just been planted in, etc., etc. Um, all of that stuff. Ludi Sereri. Okay. Also on this day, from our Japanese friends and ancestors, we have the festival of Kanamara Matsuri, or the Feast of the Divine Couple. What do we do with this? Well, it is a giant penis festival. Okay, so we talk about this a lot in the Ostara class because I am a pervert and, <laughs> and you know, it's what it is. Um, but this is a day for drinking, dancing, generally cutting loose. Um, the Kanamatsuri is the festival of the steel phallus. Strong, potent, right? Uh, and... Sexual repression is thrown off to the side. Um, folks enjoy uh, dressing in various different genders from their own. So here again, we have this deep emphasis throughout spring season from the ancient world and the modern world on expressing the variety of genders that you contain and creating festival environments where that expression is not only supported, but celebrated just that people it's literally <laughs> what we've been doing as a species this entire time. Okay. <laughs> Don't get me started too late. I've already gotten started. Um, but we talk about this festival a lot. It's fantastic. It is literally Shinto priests get people drunk on, on sake wine, people party in the streets and they carry this gigantic penis through the streets as a deep celebration of Dick, because why not? It's cool. Um, but also as a literal direct symbol of virility and fertility as the energy form that is being called up and celebrated at the start of spring. Hey, you thrusty energy, whomever it is that's expressing this, whatever gender you identify as, however you move through life, virility energy, thrusty energy, come on down. Uh, <laughs> and let's do this whole springtime thing. Um, and this is a time in modern Japan where a lot of transgender folks actually feel like they can be very out and proud in a society that can uh, suppress their their sexual expression. And I don't want to shit on Japan. We in America are certainly doing a really great job at oppressing people, expressing their sexual identity. Um, so we don't need to like look beyond our own borders for that. But, um, uh, but here, gender fluid identities and sexualities are celebrated um, as, as it should be every single day of the year. Okay. Um, those, oh, Last but not least, Sunday, April 2nd, Palm Sunday from our Catholic friends and ancestors. Uh, this is the Sunday before Easter, commemorates tr Christ's triumphant em entry into Jerusalem, um, an event mentioned in each of the four canonical Gospels. Uh, Palm Sunday marks the first day of Holy Week for uh, mainstream Christians. Um, and this is also the last week of Lent before Easter uh, kicks into overdrive. Okay, uh, moving on to Monday, April 3rd. Uh, oh no, we just did that. Oh, I screwed myself up. I'm so goofy. What did I just do? <laughs> I'm a professional and I know what's happening, okay? So uh, I blended two things together. I'm full of lies. 
Um, so first off, we had, just to make sure everybody's on the same page here, Sunday, April 2nd, Mars in Cancer sextile the North Node in Taurus at four degrees. We already talked about that. The moon enters Virgo. We already talked about that. Uh, and our holy days for April 2nd, April 2nd through the 9th, Ludi Sereri from our Roman friends and ancestors, Kanamatsuri, Kanamara Matsuri uh, from Japan, and Palm Sunday from our Catholic friends and ancestors. Monday, April 3rd, Mercury enters Taurus and Mercury in Taurus, square Pluto in Aquarius at zero degrees. We've already talked about those. So make sure you have that right in your notes. Sorry, you all. And our holy days for April 3rd. Uh, from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis of the Temple, Temple of Jupiter Victor and the Temple of Jove the Liberator. And this is something I was referring to earlier in the podcast, where Romans really loved to give gods and goddesses a million iterations of their name. So Jupiter, Jupiter Victor is literally Jupiter Victorious, um, but it means uh, Jupiter who is uh, who has come back, basically. Uh, Jupiter who is on top of the shit. Uh, Jupiter who has won out over winter and over the death of the dark part of the year and the Jupiter that is like here to, to get the shit done. Uh, Jupiter, the liberator, um, or Jove, the liberator, Jove is another word for Jupiter <clears throat> and yet another name for Jupiter. Now think of all of the Christian and Catholic sources that use the word Jove. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that. Um, but Jupiter the Liberator is also Jove uh, the Liberator, Jove Liber, a.k.a. Liber, meaning who is free or who frees and also the semen. So again, that that freeing, that expulsion of that virility, fertility energy. I don't know if you guys knew, uh, but paganism, we, we talk about sex a lot. We talk about sex and genitals and stuff to do with them and all the various kinds you could have or enjoy. Uh, yeah, we talk about that stuff a lot here in the witchcraft uh, places, in the in the paganisms. Uh, that's what we're doing. We're, 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 we're horny and perverted and everything's on fire. Okay. <laughs> also here on April 3rd from our pagan friends and ancestors, we have the celebration of the ascension of Persephone. So here again, we have another, uh, modern holiday that is fixed at this time of year perfectly appropriate, celebrating the return of Persephone or Core from their underworld journey through winter. They are back here on the, the um, physical plane, ready to host uh, a DJ night at your local club <laughs> or spread flowers around and bring back light and life, whatever. It's, you know, it's all the same. Okay. Moving on to the last day of our lunar week. Yes, we finally made it. <laughs> uh, our moon enters Libra. And so we are officially in the pre-funk for the full moon. That will happen April 5th. Obviously, we'll talk about that next week in next week's podcast. So moving directly to uh, the holy days for Tuesday, April 4th. <clears throat> from our Iroquois friends and ancestors running approximately from April 4th to the 8th, 
uh, is the Thunder Ceremony. This is another one. Uh, this is another festival that is approximately at this time of year also can be held anywhere from the end of February all the way through to the beginning of April. Um, and there will also be another one of these festivals held in fall. So at the end of uh, the, the shift basically between those seasons. And um, I don't want to get too deep into the details of this, but uh, tobacco is offered. Um, food items are offered and enjoyed. Strawberry drinks, fried bread, corn soup. Um, and basically this is a festival and ceremony to welcome in the storms and the thunder and the lightning that are going to fertilize the ground and moisturize the ground and continue to irrigate the ground. Um, the thunder and lightning were thought of as fertilizing or um, viral energies that came from the sky and struck the earth to create life. Um, and so that energy is being invited in and celebrated and worshipped. And then the rains that follow also celebrated and worshipped as these are the waters that are going to water the crops that we are trying to, um, that we're trying to grow at this time of year. So big festival complex to welcome in and thank and celebrate all of those um, natural forces. Okay. Also on this day from our Jain friends and ancestors, we have the festival of Mahavir Jayanti. Uh, Mahavir Jayanti is one of the most important religious festivals in Jainism. It celebrates the birth of Lord Mahavir, the 24th and last supreme preacher of the present era. Um, and this holiday always happens somewhere in March or April. It's connected to the moon. Um, obviously we're having the full moon the next day. And so that's, that's what's up. Um, Mahavir was named Vardaman, meaning one who grows because of the increased prosperity in the kingdom at the time of his birth. But again, isn't that interesting? Uh, isn't that interesting, um, symbology? right? That we're, that we have this celebration of this deity, this entity at this time of year at the kickoff for lots of folks in the Northern hemisphere around the growth cycle. Okay. And last but not least, our holy days for April 4th from our uh, Balinese friends and ancestors, we have Perdama Kedasa. Uh, Perdama Kedasa is a Balinese celebration, which is held following the appearance of the full moon or uh, about the full moon. So it's a day before here in America, but a day of there, uh, an elaborate affair for the locals. Um, the appearance of the full moon marks a special day for various traditional festivities. Um, and, uh, this is just a particular blessing of, uh, the land asking for prosperity. Um, offerings are made, um, fresh fruits, flowers, uh, bathing in holy waters, also burning incense. And so again, there's this idea of celebrating life, celebrating light, um, washing off the old year, welcoming in the new year and welcoming in, uh, like blessing the, the land that crops are going to be grown on, or maybe have already started, uh, for prosperity and abundance. Okay. So that brings us to the end of our holy days and our astrology for this week. 
Um, I know it's been a slog. Thanks for coming with me. <laughs> I keep saying it's a slog. It feels like this has taken me 100 years to record this. I don't know why. Um, okay. Our tarot card for the week, I think, is the Three of Wands. Um, this is one of the deacons of Aries. Uh, the Three of Wands is... I always forget, and I have to look at my own notes because I can never remember what it is. Uh, the Three of Wands is the sun in Aries. And why I think the Three of Wands is potent here is because we've got that Cancer moon in the background and there's kind of a wateriness to this whole week. And this is the one card out of the three where the person is actually looking out at ships on the water. And when we are hanging out in the Three of Wands... We have had some experiences of trying on other people's versions of success. And we have discovered where those things don't fit us exactly. That's the two of wands. And so in the three of wands, we now have decided, you know what? I appreciate that you let me kind of stand in your shoes and see what success looks like for you. And that helped me get clear on where that's not going to work for me. So now let me go out into the world and talk to some people and have some exchanges with folks around what successful looks like for them. How did they get started on their adventure of trying to satisfy themselves and become the people that they are becoming? Um, for me, the Three of Wands is a really important card. I have a big giant piece up on my website about the two, the three, and the four of wands. I also have a big piece up about um, the Emperor card, which is connected to the sign of Aries itself. Um, and I have a class. Is that true? I think I have a... I think, <laughs> oh, I've done so many classes. Uh, I believe I also have a workshop class video thing up on YouTube about the Emperor card as well. Go explore. Find out if that's true. I don't know. Um, but anyways, um, the Three of Wands is a really important card to me because it's the moment where we kind of get over ourselves a little bit and say, you know what? I don't care if I look goofy. I don't care if I'm awkward. I don't care if I don't know all the stuff that I need to know. I want to go be a person in the world and I want to go do things. I want to build a plan and achieve. I want to set a goal and try to hit it. I want to pick a location on the map and try to go there. And the trying part is significantly more important than the achieving part. Like it's the, the work that we're focusing on in the, in the three of wands is let me go talk to people who have set out on an adventure and let me find out what they did to get themselves started. We are not asking people, how did you succeed? We are asking people, how did you get started in figuring out what you wanted to succeed at? And in that, I think that this is an incredibly important card. Very humble, very, right? It's just a three, right? Minor arcana, it's just the wands, no big deal. But in the Rider Waite deck, we look at the clothing that this person has on and they are wearing the headband of the magician. 
They have the blue armor on their arm of the emperor. They're wearing the red robe of the magician, the green robe of the empress. They have the black and white checkered um, cloth that we see, you know, in various places. And, and it's, it's, it, this is a person who's like, I'm putting on my vestments and I'm going out into the world and I'm going to try and I'm going to see what happens. And I'm moving from a place of, I don't know. And I'm curious to find out. I'm open to new information. I'm open to the guidance. I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to the help. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love working with this card. Okay. And for our witchcraft uh, this week, I think that prepping and planting gardens literally and figuratively in all ways that we can, very, very potent stuff this week. Also, I would say that doing any kind of divination, meditation, journaling around asking for advice from whoever it is that you like to work with, your guides, your guards, your guardians, your guides, your guardians, your ancestors, your gods, your goddesses, whoever it is that you work with, um, asking for information on where am I going this year? What should I be focusing on this year? I could do a billion, billion, trillion different things. What's the most important stuff for me in my process to be focused on in this, in this year? What is the special thing that I can bring to community this year? Um, what's my special role that I should be playing and focused on playing in this, in, in the work this year for, for the collective, that stuff. Um, and for patrons, I've thrown up a big list of plant helpers for you to work with and all of that stuff. Um, okay. So here is our weekly roundup. Tuesday, March 28th, we have our waxing half moon at eight degrees of cancer. No astrology. Wednesday, March 29th, no astrology. Thursday, March 30th, we have Mars and Cancer trying Saturn and Pisces at two degrees. Venus conjunct Uranus and Taurus at 16 degrees and the moon enters Leo. Friday, March 31st, no astro. Saturday, April 1st, we have our gibbous moon at 27 degrees of Leo and no other astrology. Sunday, April 2nd, we have Mars in Cancer, sextile the North Node in Taurus at 4 degrees, and the Moon enters Virgo. Uh, Monday, April 3rd, we have Mercury entering Taurus, and then Mercury in Taurus, square Pluto in Aquarius at 0 degrees. Uh, and then Tuesday, April 4th, the Moon enters Libra and no other astrology. All right, my friends, um, I hope this is of help to you as you move through your witchy week. Um, remember, as I said in the beginning, if you feel overwhelmed by me or any other metaphysical guides that are out there, listen to yourself. This is absolutely a week of listening to your intuition, listening to your emotional body, um, taking it a little easy, taking it a little slow, um, and respecting your limits. Chief, powerful stuff, respecting your limits. Um, but, and also, this is absolutely a week of emotionally and intuitively dialing in on what needs to get said, what needs healing, um, 
in yourself or perhaps between you and other people um, and being very gentle with that process, not rushing it, not forcing it, but also recognizing that some ooky stuff could come up to the surface as we're doing that work. Um, and just really having respect for the whole process, remembering it's not going to be linear, uh, and all of that good stuff. All right, my heathens, um, love you. Thanks for listening and blessed be.